Hi, and welcome back to Good Distinctions. I'm your host, Will Wright, and Good Distinctions are the spice of life. I am honored and thrilled to have Sister Therese Maria with me from the Maronite Servants of Christ the Light. Sister, welcome, and thanks for coming on. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation, Will. Well, and you reached out to me after uh, you saw my episode with Simone, um, and so I was very excited to connect. My uh, my youth minister growing up, actually, uh, a man named Joe Ferris, was a Maronite Catholic from North Carolina. I actually so, know him. <laughs> do you? That's that's yeah. awesome. Uh, I should have brought that up before we started recording. But anyway, yeah, yeah, Joe's amazing. He's come to some of our MYA young adult retreats for the Maronite young adults, and um, he's been such a treasure. Awesome. Yeah, Joe, uh, Joe was my religion teacher in middle school my youth minister in high school. And then I worked with him on a couple projects mm -hmm. uh, within the last few years. So a uh, great, great guy, uh, Lebanese, Maronite. Um, so before we get too much further, I just want to ask first, what is the Maronite rite? And who is St. Maron? Uh, and so you know more than I do, so take it away. Yes. So I just put on my lamp. That's why you're wondering why there's more light. I probably should have done that in the beginning. <laughs> hey, no worries. That's fine. So as Maronites, we're, we're one of 23 Eastern Catholic churches in communion with the Roman Catholic Church. And Maronite, we actually take our name from our spiritual father, St. Maron, who was a priest monk um, from the 4th, 5th century. And um, he did not intentionally set out to... Um, start a church but through his uh, asceticism his example his prayer people came to be attracted to him and came to um, seek counsel and they would come with their intentions and they would come um, seeking um, to know god and to worship him and so the maronite church really um, takes its inspiration from our spiritual father saint Marin, who wanted to love god in such a beautiful and ascetical way um, and one of the beautiful qualities I think about the Maronite Church is that we share the same creed, the same faith. Um, obviously, we respect the authority of the Pope, but we have mm -hmm. our distinct way of worshiping and we have our unique divine liturgy with our own um, prayers, our own ways of um, understanding um, God and the way we pray, I think the way we worship Jesus is very beautiful. And the hymns we use, um, our liturgy, uh, for example, is very uh, mystical, uh, also very mm. scriptural and catechetical. So if you ever get a chance mm. to go to the Maronite Church, um, you'll really see that there's a beautiful um, way that we approach God as mystery. And um, the way we express our faith um, is very unique to our Antiochian tradition. Excellent. And so Maronite, the Maronite Rite, the Maronite Church has been around since the 300s. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's ancient. Mm -hmm. uh, and as you say, there's all this beautiful patrimony of spirituality and asceticism and especially a mystic focus. Um, but for those listening, what, what is asceticism and then what is mysticism? So we'll cover those separately, but uh, how would you describe asceticism sort of in a nutshell? That's a great question. So to be ascetical is really to be sacrificial. So mm. how do I really um, focus my um, attention and my 
desires on the Lord. And that requires like giving up, you know, certain pleasures, um, maybe certain things that we delight in. And there's nothing mm. wrong with, you know, delighting in good things. Um, but to really um, embrace that asceticism is really to say, Lord, I love you so much that I am willing to give up this comfort or to really mm. um, unite myself in a way that will allow this sacrifice to be a prayer or an offering of love. And actually in our Maronite Servant of Christ the Light community, some of our asceticism includes fasting and prayer and on Wednesdays and Fridays, for example, we fast um, until noon and we don't eat meat on those days. And that's a way of offering up, you know, those um, delights or those comforts of food. Um, sometimes that even things that we enjoy, you know, and that are very basic um, to, to mm. really unite that to the Lord and offer the intentions of the people in that sacrifice of, of really um, yeah, embracing the fasting and the prayer and and to see it as a way to um, give of ourselves to others and so i think asceticism the end goal isn't just the sacrifice it's really union with god and mm. emptying ourselves so that he can fill us and yeah we can become vessels for him well and it it definitely mirrors healthy human living as well mm -hmm. if we simply indulge in everything that we desire we're going to be spiritually gluttonous uh, and perhaps physically as well. Because one of the things that I think people are more aware of today in secular culture, I, I just heard a podcast about this yesterday, actually, about all of these things we're learning about the importance of sacrifice and ascesis and, and making sure that we are uh, not overindulging in certain things and that we are being temperate. And they're saying this is leading to such wonderful uh, recovery medically. Mm -hmm. And for, for someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, we who are in this tradition of asceticism and spirituality, we say, well, of course, because we're body and we're soul. We're mm -hmm. both. Uh, we don't. It, it's not like um, these are somehow separated uh, without any sort of admixture between them, like Rene Descartes would try to put forward or did try to put forward rather. So I love that I, sort of asceticism is leading towards divinization or theosis about being in Christ directed to the father in the spirit, uh, sort of training ourselves. And if I'm, I, I'm, my Greek is not very good, but ascesis means training, right? That's where we get the word asceticism. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, uh, yeah, disciplinary, uh, uh an athlete. Mm -hmm. So what is a, what is daily life? I know you already said a little bit about um, like fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays and, and abstinence from meat, but what does daily life look like? How do you live out that sort of mysticism? And I guess before we do that, what, what is mysticism? Cause yes. I think when people hear mystery, they think something like Scooby-Doo, like it's a mystery to be solved. Um, but I don't think that's what you mean. So what is, what is mystery? What is mysticism? Yeah, what a great question. So when I think of a mystic, I think of someone who is so in love with God that they're so open to God's communication and mm. God's way of acting in them and being in them and being imbued with the Spirit of God. And as sisters, um, 
part of our disposition each day is really that spirit of recollection. So Mm -hmm. how do we open ourselves up to really receive from the Lord and to really Mm -hmm. open our hearts to the way he's moving and the way he's acting in us and through us and through our sisters and those we encounter. So I believe a true mystic is someone who has that direct contact with God and Mm -hmm. is really living um, the spirit of the gospel and is really um, attuned to the spirit alive in them. And um, I, I feel that mystics, they're everywhere. We don't even recognize them sometimes. <laughs> they're in our own like homes, in our own schools, wherever we are. Um, I believe that the Lord is um, really raising up um, saints today to really um, be those witnesses and mm-hmm. point to him. So mystics really point to the Lord and the way that the Holy Spirit is um, using them as instruments to um, not only be sanctified, but to bring others with them. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, this, think... this is the goal, right, of Christian living. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, in the Latin, right, we have the, the five precepts of the church, right, mm-hmm. of, of all these different things. I basically, I call them the bare minimum mm-hmm. um, because that's what they are. It, it's sort of saying, well, if you do these things, you're at least doing the bare minimum. You're a Catholic. You're, uh, you're doing what you're supposed to. But every one of my friends in the Eastern church goes, mm-hmm. that's so silly. Why don't you just strive to be a saint? <laughs> I said, well, yes, that would be better. Uh, <laughs> one, uh, one Eastern priest put it to me this way. He said, I, he's uh, the Ruthenian, right? He said, try to be a a monk in your daily life as much as possible. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's interesting. Uh, so, I mean, it, the way that you're describing mysticism, this idea of being near to the Lord, being connected to him, being so wrapped up in contemplation. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly your community life must just be perfect, right? There's no issues between the sisters, everybody. <laughs> It's a work what, in what progress. Is... Yeah, it's a work <laughs> in progress. And I'm, I think in all humility, um, I believe that, you know, we all have um, a part to play in mm-hmm. sharing that love and, and really opening ourselves up so that God's love can love through us. And um, we come with our gifts, our talents, our sisters, but we also come with our flaws and our brokenness. Mm-hmm. And so, if I'm going to be honest with you, um, yes, we do live a beautiful communal life. And there mm. are times where we need to, um, you know, be expanded. There are, there are times mm. where the Lord is calling us to be more charitable and to be more patient and to really um, rise above our own human limitations and mm. to really love our sisters with his love, not our love. And so that's why I say it's a work in progress. And we as sisters, every two weeks, we go to confession um, to keep ourselves, you know, grounded in the mercy of God and to have that strength to love our sisters better and our priests <laughs> and the people that we serve. So it's a it's really a journey, you know, that deeper conversion, um, that deeper love that God is calling us to. That's part mm. of the growth, I think, in mysticism. Well, and I love that term you use and that idea of expanded. We need to be expanded. Uh, I haven't heard it used that way. And I love that Um, because that's what God's grace does to us. It it helps Mm -hmm. us to grow and to expand. 
I think some sometimes I, I come across people who say, well, if I lean too much into faith, too much into the Christian practice, then I'll somehow lose myself. I won't have as much fun and I'll be, I think, no, that that's the opposite. You'll be distracted. You'll be placated. You might feel comfortable for a time. Um, but again, if we bring it back to this idea of mysticism, that's such a good reminder mm-hmm. uh, for our daily sort of goal. Uh, but what what does your community do? Uh, what is their charism or what what's your mission? Sure. Great question. So we are Maronite servants of Christ the light, and we're called to be spiritual mothers in our parishes. And hmm. what we do is we serve alongside our priests in the parishes in offering different um, ministries. So we teach religious education. We prepare the kids for first communion, first penance. Uh, We offer youth retreats, um, young adult retreats, spiritual direction. So really uh, even visiting the sick, like this morning we went to um, one of our older parishioners who's homebound. And I think she's nearly ready to meet the Lord, actually. Um, We were there to just pray with her, bring her some Mm -hmm. food. Um, and just to check in, uh, just like good spiritual mothers. And we're not like focused on one particular age group, which is something I really love about our community. We're there hmm. for all ages and just to bring <laughs> our people closer to Christ, our light. And we take Mary as our patron and our inspiration and her yes and her fiat. You know, Mary says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And that's taken from Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And that's our biblical motto. So we take that and we use that as our way of serving others and being available to others and accompanying others, uh, be it through Mm. our presence, our ministry, or even just our prayers. What what sort of Marian devotions do you all practice or, or exist in the Maronite church? Yes, so we actually wear a rosary um, and we pray the rosary every day as part of our holy hour of adoration. Actually, these rosaries are made from um, olive pits and they're from Lebanon to remind (laughs) us of our roots and and our beautiful devotion to the Blessed Mother. And in addition to the rosary, we also have some different prayers and hymns that we actually um, pray during the divine liturgy each day and mm, then um, mm-hmm. during the month of may we have the icon of our blessed mother that is incensed and we have a very beautiful hymn uh, praying that she would be our protector and would have mercy on us and pray for our dead so we really um, turn to mary for all our needs and if you actually have a chance to see some of our maronite hymns to mary they're quite um, personal and they're very like home, hmm. homey as well. Like it's like, Mary, we turn to you with all our needs, mother of tenderness. Um, you know, hmm. we cry out, like give us that grace of obedience and help us to know your son. And you feel that as you're singing or offering these prayers, you just have this immediate um, closeness. Um, so there's hmm. no really like distance with Mary uh, she, yeah, she's actually everywhere in Lebanon. If you go to different villages, you'll see different statues, signs, or even shrines too, you know, um, asking for Mary's prayers or, or just even sharing different titles that we have for her. Uh, a title, for example, that we 
as sisters use often is Mary, mother of the light. Mm. She's um, the mother of Jesus, who is the light. And that's a very uh, significant theme in our Maronite spirituality, Christ the light. And um, how, how do we draw others to Jesus uh, through Mary's example and her, her fiat? So that's what we're called to, to imitate. Hmm. Well, there's a lot of beautiful, the reason I asked the question is there's a lot of beautiful Marian devotions in like under the Byzantine umbrella and some of the mm-hmm. other Eastern rites, uh, but they don't usually uh, pray the rosary. So do you know when uh, the Maronite church sort of brought that devotion on? Because the, if I remember it, St. Dominic was really the one who pushed the rosary first. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was sort of revealed to him. So do you know any about that history, like when it became part of yeah, the culture? That's a great, great question. I have to say, I don't know the exact year, but I can tell you when we had the Roman Catholic missionaries come to Lebanon, that's mm. when they brought in that devotion um, okay. to the people. So um, I don't want to give you a year because I'm not sure, but I do know that um, it was brought in through the missionaries that came to, um, you know, teach the people and serve the people in Lebanon. Um, and that included the Capuchins, the Franciscans. Mm, mm-hmm. So that, that's definitely not a Maronite tradition, the rosary, but we adopted it. Uh, yeah, even beautiful. Though, even though we love Mary, we have hymns and prayers that we use, but the rosary itself, it is a, a Latin devotion, a Roman Catholic devotion, but we definitely love it too. <laughs> Well, and I, I fell in love with the, uh, we have a Ruthenian church here in Phoenix and I go as often as I can and I fell in love with their divine office and the, the chant tones of the Ruthenians in particular. Uh, and so I don't think the Lord minds if we use these different uh, sort of ways, uh, sacramentals and prayers. And we have a divine office too that's different to the Roman Catholic um, divine office. Yeah, I was it- going to ask about that. What is, uh, <laughs> please go into that. Sure. We, we call it the prayer of the faithful or in Syriac, mm. Ramsha, which means evening prayer, because Syriac actually is the liturgical language or Aramaic is the liturgical language of Jesus, um, mm-hmm. meaning that was the language that Jesus would have spoken. But it's the liturgical language of the Maronite church. And we actually have Aramaic in the um, divine office, not only in the divine office, but also in the divine liturgy. And we have the consecration mm. and it's really a beautiful way to remember you know, this would have been how Jesus would have prayed um, and would have, you know, offered um, praise to the Father and himself, um, which is a blessing for sure. Absolutely. I, that's, uh, that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in, the, in the Latin yeah. rite, there's... A, yeah. Well, I'm I was st- just going to say in the Latin rite, there's all these different arguments going on about... Um, like the, the traditional Latin mass versus the Novus Ordo and what language should we speak and all these different things. And I, I think it's missing sort of the point. And I think you just hit the point. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason you love the Syriac and Aramaic, you, you didn't mention once that it's ancient. You didn't mention that it's something that is an unbroken tradition. Those things are true and it's beautiful, mm-hmm. but you said it's the language Jesus spoke. And mm-hmm. so there's that nearness. And even when you spoke about him, your face lit up and you smiled. So uh, I just wanted to point that out and, and affirm that, that that's what we should be looking for. I feel like so often in these debates, our Lord is lost mm-hmm. in the midst of these aesthetics, uh, aesthetics rather. Um, 
but anyway, sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to get that point in because I think it's it's such a shame uh, when we miss sight of our Lord when we're having these conversations. Oh, yeah. No, I hear you. And I think, too, I was just mentioning earlier, like the Ramsha was the evening prayer. We also mm. have Safra, which is the morning prayer. That means morning in Syriac. And then we also have Sutura, which is the night prayer. And so and there are actually more offices uh, in our community. We offer the three um, the morning, evening, and night prayer. And I was just mm. thinking how they they are beautiful opportunities for us to sanctify the hours of our day, but also mm-hmm. to remember that we have a liturgical spirituality. And as we pray the divine office, we're really living um, the life of Jesus. And we're living mm. um, according to the feast, according to the liturgical season. Like currently now in our Maronite tradition, we're actually in the season of Epiphany. And Epiphany for us is the baptism of our Lord Jesus. And the full um, season could go go up to five weeks. This year it's shorter. It's three weeks. But Mm. I was just thinking how it's such a treasure that we can can spend more time reflecting on the baptism of our Lord and our own baptism. And so to really live that with that intentionality of like, how am I living out my baptismal promises? You know, how Mm. am I? Um, living out my belovedness to, you know, as a daughter or a son, you know, um, I was just thinking the spirituality too, like when we are teaching the kids, like tomorrow we have um, religious education classes and we'll be talking about epiphany and reminding them of, you know, the mission of Jesus who's come to save us, but then also how are we living out that mission? You know, how are we Mm. sharing um, in that beautiful plan of salvation so I, I feel like our spirituality too really enriches um, the way we live and the way we pray and uh, yeah understand who Jesus is and who we are in him. Earlier this year, I put out a, a short little podcast, a catechetical one about theophanies. And I, I went into um, how the West views the epiphany as the visit of the Magi mm-hmm. and the East views it as the baptism of the Lord. I also didn't realize this, but it also um, brings up the wedding feast at Cana and the transfiguration. There's a few in the early, early church that would also lump that in, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, I wish we had Epiphany tied still. That was on the, the old calendar. It's not on the new. So it was the day after Epiphany was baptism of the Lord on a Monday because of the weird calendar year. I thought, well, that was fairly abrupt. All right, I guess Christmas is over. Yeah, that was uh, So great. it is beautiful to sort of have that time to unpack it. Um, mm-hmm. But when, uh, when in the liturgical life of the Maronite church are the Magi referenced and sort of this idea of Christ being revealed to all the world mm-hmm. and, the, and the Gentiles, is that it's sort actually, of just done at Christmas? It's actually done a few days after Christmas, yes. Oh, okay. The visitation of the Magi. If you want, I can give you the exact... Um, date. You can just look at my calendar. I think literally like a few days after. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So this is my new calendar, but my old calendar had the date on it. But I think it was like two or three days after Christmas. Yeah, okay. so it's one specific um, reference to the Magi visiting, and we kind of remember that. And mm. um, yeah, it's, it's nice because each day after Christmas, we have a different kind of focus 
be it mm. Saint Stephen, be it the in, the Innocents, you know, be it Magi um, visiting our Lord. So it's a packed week of, of celebrations and remembrances <laughs> for us. I'm just I'm a huge liturgy nerd, so I I like to look at these different calendars, and I find it so interesting to see where mm-hmm. where organic overlap has been because uh, we also celebrate Saint Stephen on the 26th and Feast of the Holy Innocents afterwards. Um, but seeing these little points of divergence, uh, I think it just all goes back to diversity and unity, that mm-hmm. we still are one Catholic church, but we have these different expressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's so much we can learn uh, from one another, that sort of mutual enrichment, as as St. John Paul II put it, a uh, breathing with both lungs mm-hmm. between the East and the West. Yeah. Well, I actually did find out for you. So yeah. We have the calendar here for December 2024, but it has the feast days. So for us, December 26 is the the felicitations to Mary. So we congratulate Mary on the birth of her son the day after Christmas. And that's I love that. I have never heard of that. That's such a cool feast. Yeah, it's a Marian kind of focus in the liturgy too to kind of congratulate her. And then the 27th is Saint Stephen. Okay. Um, And then the 28th three days after is the adoration of the Magi. And then we continue with um, the binding of our Lord in the temple. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I want that feast. All right. I'm writing a letter to the Pope. Felicitations of Mary needs to be put in the Latin calendar uh, for next year. (laughs) That would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a neat thing. Um, So how does, uh, how does Maronite spirituality in a parish uh, affect the worldview of those attending, ideally. I mean, what, I know it's it's geared towards mysticism, it's geared towards spirituality of mm-hmm. St. Marin, your spiritual father, but like practically, how how is it distinct? How is it mm-hmm. set apart? Yeah, I, I think there is a couple of things I want to share here. Um, one is, I think we have a very beautiful Trinitarian focus. So mm-hmm. when it comes to understanding who God is and how we worship. Um, I know in the Roman Catholic Church, for example, um, you know, there's a big focus on Christology and, you know, in Jesus um, we pray, whereas for us we make a lot of references to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So them really um, seeing that God is um, family, God is relationship, and then how do they then live that out in their own homes, in their own, you know, parishes or communities mm. And then the other focus I wanted to bring up, um, in addition to being Trinitarian in our in our really our spirituality, is this focus on mercy and how we are unworthy, yet God's mercy is so great, and hmm. how we're called to then receive that mercy, you know, in the liturgy, and then share that mercy in the way we become, you know bread for others in the way we um, love others in the way we serve others and and really become yeah a living eucharist for others Um, and i think that focus on creation too is beautiful like how do we discover god's um, fingerprints you know in creation and and see how and we talked about mystery earlier but when we don't systemize faith you know it's not like there's a formula you know we approach our lord with awe and we're called to, you know, be open to his Holy Spirit so that it's his Holy Spirit working in us and through us 
even in our brokenness. And mm. I know I'm sharing really big points here, but I think when you focus on mercy, you focus on the Trinity, you focus on the Holy Spirit and receiving, then it really does, I think, change your worldview and even how you see your neighbor, how you see um, situations and events. And you become more wise, you know, if mm. you are allowing the Spirit to direct your decisions, your perceptions, your judgments, um, and you really um, yeah, become more of an open vessel to, to his mercy. And so I think there's a lot we can take from the liturgy and our spirituality. And we're very, as Maronites, we're very earthy, meaning um, if you look at a lot of our hymns and a lot of the melodies, you know, they're nothing too... Um, spectacular they're quite simple and mm. um, they're quite beautiful and, and like once you hear the repetition of it you realize like god is simple you know he, he, he's not complex and as you're praying you're also learning more about who our god is but then you're just entering more and more into that mystery of, of mm. his love of his mercy so i think there are just some thoughts that came to my mind as you kind of asked that question you know, it seems very formative. I mean, the the whole liturgical life is very geared to something that everyone's taking part in. It's not mm -hmm. just a few. Mm -hmm. um, and then going out and living in the world and seeing the world in a different way, that would change your vision. That would lead to conversion of mind and heart. And uh, the, the word that kept coming up to me as you were speaking was docility. This docility of the Holy Spirit and to the Lord as, as he's guiding you. Um, Beautiful. So how, uh, how did you become a sister? How did, what was the path of your, um, vocation? Cause I'm, I'm speaking to you. I know you're in a community that's in the United States. Mm -hmm. The Maronite church is historically tied to Lebanon. Yes. And I can't help but notice that you sound very much like you're from the Southern hemisphere. <laughs> yes. From down under Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm actually going home this week to visit my family, and I, I'd be happy to share um, my vocation story. Um, and I'm real, I think it's really, if I'm going to summarize it in one word, it's grace, because mm. I was never thinking in my life I would come to America or even live in America <laughs> or even be doing ministry here. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's interesting how God has brought me here. And so I was born and raised in Sydney, Australia, and my family were practicing Maronite Catholics and we had a parish we were attending and um, when I was younger I was very active in my church uh, and it was beautiful because our priest um, really encouraged us to be active and I was part of our youth group but I never thought of becoming a sister I never thought even though I had a nun or I should say an aunt who was a nun and she was in our lives and she would mm -hmm. come and visit us um, she yeah, she was a beautiful example, but I never crossed my mind until I actually went on a retreat in 2005, and I was around 20 years old at that point. And I was just going, you know, with my friends, and we were just thinking, okay, let's see what this retreat's about. And um, it was actually during this retreat that I felt the Lord in a very personal way um, just ask me to be all for Him. And it was during adoration um, the focus of this retreat was really on Eucharistic adoration and the title is adore. It's a coming to adore Jesus. 
And during that adoration, I just had this overwhelming sense of just how much the Lord loved me and wanted me to be for him and, and set apart to be sharing him. And um, mm-hmm. during that experience, there was a, like an altar call where they asked um, people after the adoration during the end of that retreat, you know, stand up if maybe you feel that the Lord might be putting on your heart to come and follow him, either as a brother, a sister, a missionary. And without me even thinking twice, I just stood up <laughs> and I was like, ooh, like, you know, like this is something big. Like, the Lord, yeah, like, I, Why did I do that? Yeah, yeah. At first I was never thinking that this would be me, but I, I had this really beautiful knowledge that the Lord was calling me and pursuing Mm. me. And I actually went home after that retreat and I was crying. And and, and my mom was like, why are you crying? I said, mom, I think the Lord is calling me to become a nun. And she's like, what do you mean? Like you're just finishing up your business degree (laughs) and start your new job because I was, you know, applying for an accountant, a graduate position. And I had a lot of friends and I was going out and I was like this social butterfly. And she's like, what do you mean? Like, how can you give all of this up? And she was trying to process it. And I'm like, mom, I think the Lord is calling me. All of that is good, but I want to follow his will. And afterwards I, um, I was listening to, um, my mom and she was saying why don't you just give it some time like she said at least like think about it like because she you know how you sometimes come from these retreats and you're on a high Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you have to kind of come back down after that beautiful experience (laughs) of being with the lord and um so she convinced me to give it and six months or so just to kind of Mm. you know discover a little bit more about what is it that you really want and i was starting my job um as well and so six months into that job, I just said, Mom, I'm not happy. I feel empty. I'm not doing mm. God's will. Like there was something inside of me that I just felt like there was a mismatch, like God had another plan for me. And mm. so I did a really bold thing. I quit that job, which was pretty big <laughs> um, to do, and especially at a young age, and said, Mom, I'm going to Lebanon. I want to discern my vocation. I want to go and visit other communities. I want to pray with them. I want to learn about different sisters. And because my aunt was a nun, I had mentioned that earlier. I said, why don't I go and visit that community and see, you know, how they live, how they pray. And I ended up spending some good quality time with them and some other communities too, because I wanted to learn more about the different spiritualities. Hmm. And after discerning for about five or six months while I was in Lebanon, Actually, my dad came to Lebanon to try and convince me to come home. <laughs> I said, Dad, I'm discerning here. Like, you know, just pray for me. Like, you know, give me that space. And and I ended up realizing, you know, that the Lord wanted me to continue to discern, but God wasn't calling me to serve in Lebanon because I felt that the mentality there was very different to the way I was brought up in the West. And mm. um, I just felt that the Lord was still showing me and revealing to me what he wanted. And so I returned back home to Sydney um, about six months later and kept my heart open. And it was during this time I thought I would go back and study a little more of the faith. And I ended up doing secondary education and Mm. um, moving out of the accounting commercial world into teaching. And it was funny because during my teaching and actually working for the church for the confraternity of Christian doctrine, my friend who was also discerning 
in Sydney, she said that she had spoken to the bishop, Bishop Gregory Mansour, who's our Maronite bishop here, and he was starting a new community, the Maronite Servants of Christ the Light. And she shared with me the website, and it was actually through her sharing maroniteservants.org that I got in contact with Mother Marla Marie, who's the founder of our community. Our community was founded in 2008, so it's relatively mm. new. And mm-hmm. um, we just actually celebrated 15 years. And um, Bishop Gregory and Mother Marla, they said together that they needed to have more um, sisters, you know, to be serving in our Maronite parishes because we didn't really have sisters, you know, actively um, serving in the parishes alongside our priests. And mm. this community really came um, as a need to have the feminine touch in the parishes. And so um, 2008 was actually when it started. And like a couple of months later, that's when I came to visit um, in September. So it started in June of 2008. And so I think September was when I did a six-week come and see visit and then um, didn't end up joining until 2010 because they were still getting things ready and, you know, establishing, you know, certain things to um, begin a community. It takes a bit of time to start a community Mm -hmm. and and get things, you know, properly done. And so um, when I think about it, it's just amazing how God used my friend to point me in this direction of my vocation. And I joined in 2010, made my first vows in 2013 and my final vows in 2017. And so I just thank God, like this is going to be my 14th year as a sister and just yeah, praising the Lord for the blessings um, that he has given and just the way he's expanded my heart. And during my you know, formation, I studied a master's in pastoral ministry, which was very helpful because I do a lot of ministry work. And also I completed a, a certificate in spiritual direction, which has also been really helpful And now I'm just, yeah, opening myself up more and more to how the Lord wants to use me as I kind of um, support young women who are discerning their vocation. So I'm currently the vocations director for our community and for our young adults in our diocese or our apaki. So praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise God. That's a, it's such a blessing to be able to have that. I, uh, I was trying to think, I don't know when the first time I met a sister was, I mean, I I've been Catholic as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm fairly sure that it took until, um, college maybe, or high school. I met a couple, mm-hmm. uh, cause, cause Joe would bring in, uh, a few, uh, to do talks and retreats and these things. Um, but to have that presence in the parish, as you say, as a spiritual mother, because so many people, their their family lives are lacking in one way or another. And so to be able to fill in that gap and mm-hmm. offer what a priest can't uh, simply by virtue of his own masculinity, um, that's a it's a beautiful complementarity. And uh, so thank you for saying yes to the Lord. Well, and thank you for sharing uh, that. I, one thing I was struck by is I'm teaching a class right now in high school level on vocations. Mm-hmm. And... I, I tell them it's something that you have to do in action. You can't just sort of sit, twiddle your thumbs and think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that action is prayer, mm-hmm. but that action is also going out and seeing what the life is like living with uh, the community, perhaps. Yes. Uh, 
but it, it was interesting because you said you went to Lebanon. You, you, you did it. You went and did the active vocation thing. Uh, and it didn't take, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but then the Lord and his, his uh, foreknowledge and wisdom knew exactly what was going to happen. Uh, and you come back, and again, it's through this advocacy of your friend mm-hmm. saying, here's this other community. And so there's a, a receptivity of just being open to the Lord mm-hmm. while actively discerning and sort of having this balance I don't know if I'm putting this right at all, but I, I'm just trying to to say, I suppose, that I know so many people that they say, well, I tried it. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that it's maybe the answer isn't no, it's not yet. Or I have something better or okay. uh, hold on a second. <laughs> For me, that was absolutely the case. I thought I had everything mapped out after college. I knew exactly what I was going to do and none of it worked. None of it happened. And I ended up doing something completely different. So the Lord is uh, definitely mysterious in his ways. (laughs) He sure is. And I think sometimes too, like God allows us to try different communities so that we can really see like, where are we most at home? Like where can we Mm. most flourish? And I, I don't regret going to Lebanon and discerning and visiting and praying with the sisters because in the process I grew. You know, I mm, came to mm-hmm. know my strengths. I came to love the liturgy more. I came to realize that I love teaching the faith and evangelizing. And that's why I wanted something missionary. I didn't want just sisters, you know, um, being in a school or just being in a nursing home. I wanted to be free to share Jesus and to walk with people wherever they're at and to be that spiritual mother, just like you had mentioned we do need that complementarity. Like even in the church family, mm-hmm. the spiritual father is so good at leading and providing with the sacraments, but we also need the nurturing mothers. You know, we need those mm-hmm. spiritual mothers that can listen, that can affirm, that can just, you know, pray with and, and just walk with. And and a lot of our young people, like that's what I do. I, I'll walk with them. I'll, I'll listen to them or they'll call me and say, sister, can we pray? Or, sister how do i you know um, work through this or and it's beautiful to be able to see like they're not my physical children but they're the spiritual children that god has put in my path and just like i would love my own children i love them and it's really a beautiful grace like to be married to the lord and then Mm -hmm. to know that my family is the church you know and yeah there's never a dull moment for sure (laughs) i would imagine not People are very interesting. Yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, that, that is definitely a grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, sister, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and sharing about the Maronite Church, sharing about your own uh, vocational journey. Uh, so you said Maronite, MaroniteServants.org. Correct. Yeah. Right. And then uh, anywhere else that you'd like to direct people? Sure. So we're also active on Instagram at Maronite Servants. So if you would like to follow us or if you'd like to reach out and you're interested in discerning your vocation or maybe feel called to uh, learn more, we'd be happy to um, have a conversation or pray with you and maybe direct you to some good resources. And even if you just have intentions that you'd like us to remember, we'd be happy to remember them as well. Beautiful. Well, sister, thanks so much for being on. And for those listening, go to gooddistinctions.com to uh, subscribe and learn more and never miss an episode. 
Uh, it's wonderful to have you and we'll see you next week. Sister, thanks again. You're very welcome. God bless.